0: So, Jesus, we pray that you would encounter us today. We thank you for all you have given us. And today, give us boldness to respond to you. Amen? Amen? Be seated. Thank you. We are in a series where we are going through the book of Acts. And so today we are in Acts 8. You can turn with me if you'd like. But we are looking at a man named Philip. He is traveling around. And he is preaching Jesus all through Samaria, in the cities and villages, and seeing amazing things happen. And in Acts 8 verses 26, where we're going to pick up. We're jumping right in. We have Philip going over the countryside. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, "Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza." God sends a messenger to tell this, this powerful evangelist, Philip, listen, leave the cities, leave the villages where so much is happening, and instead go to a desert road. Now he's a faithful follower, so he says yes, and I'm, I'm sure he's wondering what this means. Like how, how, how long do I walk this road? This road leads all the way down to South Africa. Like how long am I on it? He has no idea, but he, he obeys what he does here. He goes to the road. We read in Acts 27. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Kandake isn't her name. It's a title like Khaleesi or queen. It means that she is in charge. And so we see this, this man, and we know a few things about him. He's from Ethiopia. He's an important official. He's in charge of all the treasury. We also see he's a eunuch and he's gone to Jerusalem to worship. So let's look at some of this. Being in charge of the, of the Kandake's treasury is a job that, that meant there were few people in the entire kingdom who had uh, more authority or prestige than him. He was vastly important and entrusted by her um, implicitly. But it came at a high price. What's the high price for this authority that he had? The high price was that he was a eunuch, he was castrated. High price, absolutely. This uh, is barbaric to us, castration, but back then it was a common practice in many cultures. And what they would do is they would see the young boys who had promise in administration or mathematics or other skills, and they would take them into the royal um, castle, whatever, and they would castrate them, and then school them with the greatest teachers in the land, and then they would have jobs in the kingdom. Now, why would they castrate him? Because the belief was that a eunuch would be not be tempted in the way that uh, most men are tempted. The belief is that a eunuch would not um, try to overtake or coup the kingdom because he can't have a dynasty. And the belief was that it would subdue him and make him more agreeable, less dangerous. So we have this very important man, high price tag. So this man, at some point as a young boy, had showed a great amount of giftedness, probably in mathematics. He's in the treasury. And uh, as a young man, he was he was taken from his from his household. The royal guards led him away from his parents. There was nothing he could say. He had no defense. They cut him off from his family. He would now have no descendants. His, his future that he would have had was taken from him. And I'm sure he felt violated and completely helpless. But from this beginning, from all this trauma, this young man had grown up into a man of power and means and vast wealth. Wealth so vast that he could make them the month or plus travel from Ethiopia, from the kingdom there, all the way to Jerusalem. And he had a chariot, but this is no Ben-Hur or gladiator chariot. He's not standing up. No, no, he's seated. This is the, this is the Lexus of luxury chariots. He's, he's seated with the driver on a padded chair, and, and he would have had uh, the whole uh, cooks and servants and guards, animals, everything that he would have needed for this long trip was along with him. It tells us in 20, verse 27 that he had gone to Jerusalem to worship, which is so fascinating A foreign treasurer, a eunuch from Ethiopia, travels to Jerusalem to worship Yahweh, the God of the the Old Testament, God our Father. So back to the text. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he's already back home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Now, he's already been to Jerusalem, and now he's headed back to Ethiopia. Now, in that culture, in that time, when someone wants to go worship God in Jerusalem, what's the location they go to? The temple. We've gone to the temple. I can assume that after this many months, after planning this trip and and the the money and arranging it, and after the many months of travel, he arrives in Jerusalem. And let's say he he goes and he finds lodging for him and his servants. And the next morning he wakes up and he wants to make make the 9 a.m. worship and prayer reading. He'd be excited. He gets up. He's walking near the temple. There's crowds everywhere. The the, the temple wall looms ahead of him. The gate is before him. It's his first time. There's there's people, there's bustle, there's busyness, there's energy. He was going to worship. He had made the journey to go in and worship, and now was the moment. His smile and his heart must have just been bursting. Now, in the temple, there's many different layers. Each layer has a wall and a gate, each one more exclusive and each one more holy. He's he's a foreigner, but maybe he identifies as a a converted Jew, so as he gets to the first gate, that's the gate of the court of Gentiles, he's ready to go in and worship. And sadly, when he gets to that gate, this man's journey comes to a quick end. You see, as he begins to talk to the guards and the, the court officials who begin to understand who he is and his condition, they would inform him that there is no way that a eunuch would be allowed to enter this temple gate. And, and I'm sure at first he was angry. Ah, I've traveled all this way. I believe I'm here to worship. I, I, have me, I have money, I have means, I have power, anything. And they would not be moved to allow him to enter into that gate would have been punishable by death. And so as he sits there, sadness washes over him. As he watches from the gate, as people inside get to enjoy what he cannot experience. All those years ago as a youth, so much was taken from him. And now decades later, it took from him the ability to be accepted into God's temple with God's people. Heartbroken, disappointed, gutted, crushed. He starts the journey back to Ethiopia. He had such high hopes, but apparently he left with the scroll that he had purchased from the prophet Isaiah. And that's where we find him. That's where this story picks up. Traveling back to his homeland, in the text, the man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Verse 29, the spirit told Philip, remember Philip who's on the road, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, Orchard, we hate awkward moments, don't we? Is there anything more awkward than going, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? We we, we can't stand awkward moments. We avoid awkward religious Christian moments. And here, Philip the evangelist is asked to go stay near a chariot on a desert road. Okay, God, don't mind me just a man walking near a chariot that's what I was told to do he says yes he doesn't know what the next he's he's going one step at a time one yes at a time go to the road yes go near the chariot yes turn to verse 30 then philip ran up to the chariot he's obedient and heard the man inside the eunuch reading isaiah the prophet so philip asks do you understand what you're reading And here we see a few things about Philip that are very important. You see, Philip listens for those prompts of the Spirit. And this is perhaps one of the most valuable things for any person who claims to be a Jesus follower. As you go through your life and you feel those prompts or hear him say, uh, to be compassionate, uh, to speak to somebody, to help somebody, to to love it, whatever those moments are, to be obedient. It's one of the most valuable things that a follower of Jesus can do and once he hears he has his yes ready he obeys he takes action god tells him to go on a desert road yes god tells him to walk next to a chariot yes these these both of these prompts seem pretty strange he was in the villages and cities preaching and having a lot of effectiveness and now here he is he answers when god asks and finally we see in philip's life he speaks Had he not spoke up, had he been too afraid to speak about his faith? How awkward would that walk have been, mile after mile, as he obeys the last thing God told him, but he's afraid to say anything. But he speaks up. He opens his mouth, and he asks a question. He doesn't start with a sermon. He doesn't start with condemnation. He simply engages the Ethiopian where he's at in the circumstances he's in. The man's reading out of uh, Isaiah. So Philip asks him about that. This would be like seeing a coworker reading a book and saying, wow, that's, what are you hoping to get out of this? And this is important for us. As we go throughout our day and throughout our life, and we see people who are questioning or struggling or having a hard time, to ask them where they're at. Meet them where they are. Philip listened up. When he heard the spirit prompt, he stepped up. And then when it was time, he spoke up. And in verse 31, Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invites Philip into his chariot to sit with him. And this is awesome. We see here that the Spirit has been leading Philip, hasn't he? Every step of the way. But who else is the Spirit leading? The Spirit has been leading and calling this Ethiopian eunuch as well. He's been drawing his heart. This is what God does. Right now, right this second, God is working on people who are far from him and drawing them to their drawing them to himself. Drawing them to Jesus, drawing them to, to, to new life, to something. He's calling people far from them. Far from him. And often when that person gets closer, God will bring them into contact with one of his, his sons or daughters. And, and you saw them in baptism last week that our friend Robert that was baptized, he, he put out on Facebook, I need to talk to a pastor. And someone tagged me in it. And so I talked to him. And then my dad prayed with him and then he was baptized. God draws people and then brings us into their lives at different places. The Holy Spirit's drawing people to Jesus. And listen, here's the point. We're not in charge of saving anyone. We cannot save anyone. But God gives us an opportunity to be a part of the process in listening and speaking and calling them. Now listen to the scripture that the Ethiopian is reading. Remember, he he says, I don't understand this. Can you help me? Now listen to what he's reading. And and if you can, remember I told you as a young boy what happened to him? Kind of understand, why would he be drawn to this? Let's read. Verses 32 and 33, he turns to Isaiah. This was the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he, could not, or he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Remember this, as a youth, he had been led like a lamb to the slaughter. He couldn't speak on his behalf. There was no trial. There was no rebuttal. He was powerless. He was humiliated in the worst way a, a man could be humiliated. Can we speak of this Ethiopian's descendants? No, he'll have none. His life was that he could have had was taken from him. Who is the prophet speaking about here? As, as, as the eunuch reads this, like, I, I feel this. And so after reading this verse, he continues in 34 and he says. He asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Is it himself or is it someone else? Because I resonate with this. Verse 35. As they traveled along the road, they came, wait, hold on, skip that. Then Philip began with that very passage of the scripture and told the eunuch the good news about Jesus you see it's cool because philip starts at the very place where he is with the very point of his life meets him there and then works toward jesus and this is what we should do when someone says i'm depressed don't go thou needest jesus having a bad day jesus is your answer like we're not called to just go around prescribing and throwing out jesus when someone says i'm depressed love that person ask that person get to know that person. And then we lead them from where they are to the joy of what Jesus is. Well, I'll tell you, I've been there. Let me tell you what what has helped me. He doesn't prescribe Jesus. He says he starts with where the man was and leads him to the good news of Jesus. And now, now this is where it gets really fun. Verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's water. What stands in my way of being baptized? What's between me and getting baptized? And then Philip answers in the next verse. Well, before you can get baptized, you must attend my church and take a six-week class. Your heritage is a problem at some churches, so we'll need to do something about that. And also, you're in Munich, and that's messed up, and that's abuse at a level I don't know how to deal with, so let's give you some counseling. And so classes, counseling, and changes, and then if you'll serve as a greeter or something, then after a few months, maybe a year, then, then we'll baptize you. That's what we'll do. No, no. You see, this man asked what's to keep him from being baptized, and Philip lets him know, after faith in Jesus, there is nothing. Verse 37, if you believe in Jesus with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He believes in Jesus in his heart. He confesses Jesus with his mouth, and that is salvation. That's the only thing standing between baptism is salvation. And like the Ethiopian, God is calling you to declare with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is God, that is your salvation. Verse 38, this is so cool. So Philip, uh, or so Eunice gave orders to stop the chariot and both he and Philip went down to the water and Philip baptized him. This is church. This is what's beautiful. This is following Jesus. You come to faith in Jesus, and then guess what? You begin your life. You begin to identify it with Jesus. You want to be like Jesus. And one of the first steps is to be identified with Jesus in in baptism, which is the symbol of being buried and rising again. We begin to identify with him. The first step here is to to be baptized, And, and that's saying, I want to be like Jesus. It's declaring, I believe in Jesus. What a great picture. This is so, the eunuch was just told in Jerusalem that because of his past, he could not be accepted into God's people. He was just told that. And let's be honest, when we don't feel accepted by God's people, oftentimes that translates that we don't feel accepted by God. It happens all the time. He was told by religious people that his past disqualified him. And unfortunately, In many places, the church is still guilty of this. You see, there are millions of people who've tried to come to God and when they entered into a church, they were told they need to clean up, shave up, dress up, get counseling, take classes, renounce friendships, ship up and shape up. And then, and then, when you look like us and you talk like us, you can come on in. Orchard, may that never be true of us. May that not be who we are. That is not who we are called to be. We are called to love God and love people all people. You see, in the culture of the Ethiopian, he was from the wrong country and he had the wrong background and the wrong experiences and it disqualified him from worshiping God with his people. But here and today, in this church, may no one ever leave these rooms and these doors feeling disappointed because they were shamed for their past or not accepted because of their present. Let me say it this way. Whatever affiliation, whatever orientation, whatever association, whatever connection, whatever anything, may we love God and love people. Whatever political leaning, love God, love people. Whatever past sins, love God, love people. Whatever present sins, love God, love people. Whatever future sins, orchard, we love God and we love people. We, the people of Jesus, may we love like Jesus You say, this is is a place where we like to say we want to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus, who died for all sins, all cultures, all types, and welcomes all people. Orchard, may each and every person who comes into this place be shown love and acceptance and respect. If you see someone, if you're here and you see someone who you can't believe they're here, you can't believe they're here, even better. Even better. Even better let's make sure that the experience of this Ethiopian in Jerusalem never happens in this place, that no one is turned away, no one is shamed, because we, all of us, we were accepted by Jesus despite our sin. We have been given grace, so we give it. Verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch did not see him again, but went away rejoicing. Now what is this? I'll tell you, I looked at the Greek, and I have no idea. It looks like he's teleported. I have no, the Spirit of God goes, he, he moves Philip all the way down there to, to the desert road and goes, and done, now he gets back here. Man, what, what, what love, what love. The Ethiopian rejoiced. He reads Isaiah 53 about this, this one that was crushed, which is about Jesus. He reads Isaiah 53 that he didn't understand. He realizes it's about Jesus. He, he, gets, he gets salvation, he gets baptized, and he gets back in his chariot beaming. Remember how he was previous to this? He had just been rejected, but now he gets back in, he is accepted. He dries off at some point along the journey. He picks that scroll back up and he keeps reading and he reads and he gets just a couple chapters over in Isaiah and the spirit of God captures his heart and says, listen, my son, listen to this. Because in Isaiah 56, it said, the, God says this, let no eunuch say I'm a dry tree. Don't say I have no family tree. For God says, Keep my way and please me and hold fast to my promise, and I will give within my temple a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give a eunuch an everlasting name that will endure forever. Can you imagine hearing those words? He's found it. The eunuch discovered the greatest truth ever. He may have been rejected by the temple in Jerusalem, but God set up a temple in his heart. Oh, he was accepted. Oh, he was loved. His past didn't count against him in that. His present didn't. This man's heart was the temple of God in Jesus. As the prophecy said, God says, I will give the eunuch a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. And the memorial he had was the baptism of Jesus, memorializing Jesus' death and life and the name given was the name of Jesus, the name above all names. He's found the greatest treasure in the world, salvation in Jesus. But it goes on. Isaiah 56, I will give the eunuch an everlasting name that endures forever, and he does. Because when the Ethiopian prays to receive Jesus into his heart, his name is written in heaven in the Lamb's book of life, enduring forever, so that he he will be forever with God in heaven. And also, he has an enduring legacy here on earth. Just days before, the, the eunuch had stood at the gate watching people inside that he could not enter, and we don't know about any of those people. But this man, we know his story. His legacy's endured forever. He had no family tree, but he was grafted into God's tree, and he has many spiritual children because people have preached him throughout history, and many have come to Jesus. I think he made a good trade. He found life. God takes all things. Listen, God takes the worst of your past and the worst of your present. And uses it to his glory. And he can use it for his good. Do you have a sinful past? Don't raise your hand. Do you have a sinful past? <laughs> yeah? Here's some of you are raising your, your friends next to you. Do you have a past that makes you feel disqualified at times? Absolutely. Do you ever sit here and want to sing like, ah, oh, all those things? Take a lesson from this. God took this Ethiopian eunuch and changed his identity from a spiritual outcast who was disqualified, to, to a son who was loved, accepted, forgiven, and celebrated. And he wants to do that with you. There is no sin in your past, and there is no sin in your present, and there's nothing that's happened in your past that disqualifies you from God's grace. You can't outsend his love. What do we learn from this? I'm going to start preaching. I got to be careful. What do we learn from this? If you know Jesus as your Savior, if you're here and you have settled that you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you are Philip to someone. Philip listened for God's Spirit and he said yes and obeyed and then he spoke up. And God loves people who are far from Him so much that He is calling them to Himself. And then he'll bring that person into contact with one of his sons and daughters for a divine moment. And you and Jesus get to have those moments with people. God's calling you to be Philip, to have those moments with people. Orchard, who's the Philip in your life? Who's hurting? Who's needy? Who's questioning? That God wants you to speak to, love on, and actually Speak about Jesus. Who do you live with or work with or play with that you can listen to, ask questions of, and then speak of Jesus? See, God wants to bring people and already has brought people into your life that he wants to speak to through you. And what's the worst that can happen when you speak about Jesus? A really awkward conversation, right? What's the worst that can happen? An awkward conversation. But what's the best salvation on one side we have awkwardness on the other side we have salvation and beyond salvation we have a move of god you never know the effects of what someone's changed life you never know what's going to happen from that i mean let's look at this ethiopian he gets back in his chariot he goes back to ethiopia and guess what he does he tells everyone he's the first christian missionary to ethiopia The ancient historian Arrhenius tells us in his writings, he summarizes Acts 8 and then says, the eunuch was sent to all the regions of Ethiopia and preached that which he believed. Later in history, the entire government of Ethiopia, the nation of Ethiopia converts to Christianity, the first nation to do so. And to this day, there's 58 million believers there. Because Philip obeyed and spoke up. He dealt with the awkwardness and he trusted God with the results and this Ethiopian's life was changed and then he went and did what Philip did. Then he went and spoke and he went and said yes. Orchard believers, you are a Philip. And like Philip, it's time for you to listen up. And when you hear the prompt of the Spirit, it's time to step up. And then when the time's right, it's time to speak up awkwardness on one side, salvation on the other. The other thing that stands out in this passage to me as we close is God's love. Do you see how much God loved this man, this Ethiopian? It just astounds me. This guy is on the a desert road back to his homeland, and God tells Philip, "Go get him." And then after he didn't come back, he he pursues this guy. God loves this Ethiopian. God will move places; he'll move people. God wants to move heaven and earth on behalf of the one person He loves. The one and you are that one to God and he has moved heaven and earth people and places so you would be right here at this moment listening about his love and how he loves one and that one is you if you're here today and you feel far from God or you're unsure about Jesus You need to know that God loves you so much. He moved heaven and earth, and he gave his son Jesus to shed his blood and give his life so that you, the one, could have salvation. He's been drawing us. He's been drawing you. He's been calling you, and perhaps you're here today for no other reason than you've just felt drawn to come. Perhaps you're here with somebody else and they're the Philip, they've invited you and maybe today is the day you decide to follow Jesus. And I'm gonna give everybody an opportunity today to make a declaration and decision. We don't do this a lot. And it may be awkward, but I'm okay with it and so is God. Today God is calling some of you in this place to faith in Jesus for the first time. You've been around church but you haven't settled in your heart that you follow Jesus with all your heart. You haven't settled that you, Jesus, are my Savior. And maybe today's the day that you say, I know, I want that salvation. And today, like the Ethiopian, God calls you to that. If that's you today, I want you to have a chance to receive that. So with that said, I want to have an awkward moment. but I want, you to, I want you to do something to faith. If that's you. I want you to stand up, and just by standing up, declare, I want Jesus. I want to follow him. Thank you. I want to follow him. I want him to be my savior. Anyone else? body else want to follow Jesus? Thank you Calling to salvation. Anyone else God calling to salvation? Those of you who stood, I want you to pray a prayer with me out loud, okay? Will you pray with me? Say, Jesus, I know you died for my sins. And I am a sinner. I confess you as Lord. I invite you into my heart. I give you my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Amen. You can be seated. I am going to talk to you guys afterwards. You wouldn't mind coming and talking to one of us. We'd love to talk to you. There's another group here, and this is just as, just as bold. And last service, we had a, a woman walk out of here in sweatpants. She didn't come in sweatpants, but she left in sweatpants. Because some of you, today you get to make right what was kept from you in the past. See, perhaps when you were saved, baptism was something that needed formal training or a class to get. And you never got it. If you've come to faith in Jesus as an adult, like, like many of you just did, and you're, you're welcome to this too, those of you who prayed. If you've come to faith in Jesus as an adult and you have not been baptized, I want to give you the opportunity that the Ethiopian had. I'm not asking if you were sprinkled as an infant. I'm asking since your adult decision, have you identified with Christ in baptism? The Ethiopian, he said, what's to keep me from getting baptized? And today, The answer is nothing except for your fear. We have extra clothes. We have towels. But for some of you, for some of you, God's saying, man, today's the day. It's time to get baptized. There's nothing standing in the way of getting baptized today. And so with that, um, we're gonna go into some worship. And Charlie's gonna be over here If you want to get baptized today, we want to give you that opportunity. Come talk to us. If you're somebody in here and you would like to receive Jesus and you didn't didn't stand or raise your hand, I'll be over here on this side. Charlie's going to be over here for those of you guys who say, I'm going to follow Jesus in baptism. For the rest of us, listen. As we go into communion and take uh, what's the symbol of Jesus' body and blood, there is no class you have to go through to take this. Jesus Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And if you remember Jesus and his sacrifice, you're welcome to come. And as you grab the the symbol of his body and blood, pray, Father, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. And help me be like Philip. Help me to say yes. And ask the Holy Spirit, how would you like me to respond? Perhaps he will say, it's time, my son, it's time, my daughter. Whatever it is, let's let God deal how God deals. Amen? Let's pray, let's respond.